hope you've been enjoying the live principles. Uh, two of the things I might just mention for some of you who might not have been here for all of them, uh, they are on our website, northlakeschristian.com, in the messages section, so you can go and listen to the audio if you like. Um, if um, you are not getting enough of these life principles and you want more, um, our man Nate has been sending out uh, on our Facebook group, he's been sending out a link each week uh, for extra ones. I think he's been sending out at least one, if not two, per week of extra ones that you can read through. Um, and I, I know that those you know, are part of the 30 that we could have done on Sunday morning. However, we're just doing about 13. I say 10, but we're doing 13. So give you some extra bonus material at the end. So good. So life principle number six. This is our sixth week. Um, is a good one. They're all so good. It was so hard to choose which ones to share. But this one in particular is very practical. And one that I really, really love. Um, life principle number six. If necessary, God will move heaven and earth to show us his will. So how do we make sure we see it? <laughs> That's the question, isn't it? How do we know what God really wants for each and every one of us? Uh, how do we open our eyes and see, like Pete said this morning, where he's working? How he's functioning in our lives? How, how do we see that? Romans 12.2 is a wonderful verse and I think gives us some insight on how we can start to see and seek how God's will um, is revealed in our, our everyday lives. It says, Romans 12.2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect, what? Will of God. So if we want to find out what God wants in each and every one of our lives, there seems to be a process by which that happens, doesn't there? And this process, he calls it, he calls it in this verse, the being transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says, don't be like the world, but start to think differently. Rearrange your brain. Now there's a, there's a, there's actually a technology and a science behind all of this. Um, there didn't used to be. This, this idea of transforming your mind never used to be a science, but now it is. And one of the, the biggest people who made this known to us is Tiger Woods. Everybody know who Tiger Woods is? He's actually making a little bit of a comeback in golf at the moment. Um, but one of the things that his dad taught him when he was teaching him golf was to find the perfect swing in golf and then recreate it every single time you swing. And think about, when you're not swinging, think about what? Swinging. Think about that perfect swing. Think about what it looks like. Think about what it feels like in your body. And then go out and do it over and over and over again. And he became probably one of the best golfers who ever has ever lived. And he was able to do that. They actually took brain scans of Tiger Woods before this process and after this process. And guess what? There was actually changes in the connections in his brain. The thinking about the perfect swing and the doing the perfect swing over and over again actually changed the way that the connections work in his brain. So what did it do? 
it transformed what? It actually transformed his brain. And that's the very process that God is asking us to do. He's saying, I want you to think differently than everyone else in the world. Everyone else in the world is selfish. I want you to be what? Selfless. Everyone else in the world does this. I want you to do something different. And I want you to do it over and over and over and over again until what happens? What? Your brain actually changes. There's a transformation that happens in your brain. And you become not only more like Jesus, but you actually, the will of God starts becoming a natural thing for you to see. You know, Pete was talking about sometimes he has trouble seeing it from week to week. When we, when we transform our minds, the will of God becomes very clear for us to see. The closer we are to him, the closer we will be able to see what he wants for each and every one of us. That's how it works. Um, and I know some of us maybe have, have had a hard time trying to see what God uh, wants for us. So I'm going to list for you. Uh, in your Bible apps, I hope you've logged on to your phone Bible apps, I've listed for you a few things that you could be looking out for in your life that may give you a hint, or as my uh, grandpa used to say, a kick in the butt. <laughs> he says, sometimes God just has to kick you in the butt, right, to get your attention. And so these, these things that we're going to go over uh, quickly, we're going to go over them fairly quickly, um, are these kind of attention getters for us that God is trying to get your attention to tell you what he wants you to, to see and to hear, okay? And when you recognize these things, maybe our eyes and our ears can be more open to seeing what he wants us to see. So I'm going to go over these things fairly quickly, and then what I'm going to do is get you guys to divide up into a couple of tables uh, because there might be one of these things that has happened to you. And I would really love for the other people around you to hear about that process um, because that makes it more real. You can hear what, it, what I say, um, and it sometimes doesn't make a big difference. But if you hear it from each other, oh, yeah, God did this for me, and I remember what happened, you know, uh, that makes it more real for you. So we're going to go through these fairly quickly, then we'll give you some table time to talk amongst yourselves. So first of all, God always wants the best for us. He's committed to showing us his plan. He... he takes all kinds of measures to capture our attention and protect us and to reveal to us his will. And here are some of the ways he does it. Firstly, a restless spirit. How many of you have ever had a restless spirit? Yeah? Sometimes you're restless just because you ate caffeine, right? <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about here. Okay? I'm talking about a spirit of restlessness. In other words, you just cannot... For some reason, you just cannot be relaxed. You cannot kind of uh, be calm. You're, you're just restless, and you can't sleep, and you can't eat, and there's, there's this restlessness about you because you know you need to be doing something. Okay, There's something that you need to be doing or something that you, that you need to know. And that happened in Esther chapter 6. Matter of fact, in Esther chapter 6, um, it talks about the king. Matter of fact, in the very first couple of verses, it talks about um, the king was what? What's it say? He was restless. <laughs> right? The king was restless. That night the king could not sleep, so he ordered the book of Chronicles 
the record of his reign to be brought in and read to him, and it was found, recorded there, that Mordecai had exposed this, and he goes into all this, uh, this, uh, this story, and basically it talks about um, how he was restless because God really wanted him to do something. Okay, And there's these two arch enemies, Mordecai and Haman. Haman hated Mordecai. And Mordecai, well, he didn't hate anybody really, but Haman really wanted to get rid of Mordecai. And so Mordecai, uh, Haman went to the king, and he was, he was bad-mouthing this guy and trying to set this guy up to be killed. Okay, And God made the king restless, and he ends up finding out, if you read the story throughout the day here, you know, when you go home, you're going to find out that the king finds out that Mordecai is a good guy. And he's such a good guy, he wants to honor him with a parade. And, and he actually asks Haman, he says to Haman, if I wanted to honor somebody because of all the great thing, you know, all the things that they've done great, what would I do? And Haman thinks he's talking about who? <laughs> Haman goes, this is my chance. I'm going to be honored by the king. So he says, oh, you need to do this and this and this. And you need to, you know, make sure he's riding in on a horse that you've ridden in on. And the, there's a big parade. And... The king turns around and says, okay, Haman, organize this for who? Mordecai. <laughs> could, you, could you get any more stabbed in the heart than that? All right, so Haman has to organize this huge honor for Mordecai. And then when the king finds out how bad Haman is, he ends up killing Haman. And God orchestrates all that because it began with what the king couldn't sleep god was wanting to reveal things to the king and so he made him restless have you ever been restless like that where you just feel like you're just restless and you just can't you know that you need to know something or need to do something and you just don't know what it is and you're restless uh lynn and i were restless like that uh, when we were in alaska and our ministry ended up uh, we didn't know what to do, where to go, and uh, remember one specific night, I stayed up all night. I was so restless, I could not sleep, and all I could do was go on the computer, and I went on the computer, and I'm searching the computer, and I, I got to this real estate website, and all I, could, all I could do was search real estate in Australia. Such a random thing. And I was like, man, I was looking at all these houses over and over again for hours, not just for 15 or 20 minutes, like all night. And I get up, and Lynn and I uh, were supposed to meet, and uh, we were supposed to meet uh, in a dentist office because we uh, Andrew was getting his wisdom teeth out. And uh, this is a time when we were we were separated; we were not together. And I get to the dentist, and she goes, "Man, you look really tired." <laughs> I said, man, I, I am. I was so restless last night. I just could not get to sleep. And you know what she said? She said, you know, I was restless. I couldn't get to sleep all night either. I was really restless. And I said, I don't know why, but for some reason, all I could do all night was look at properties in Australia. And her jaw drops. You know what she was doing all night? Looking at properties in Australia. We were on the same wavelength, the same, uh, same. We were on the same exact websites, looking at properties in Australia. God was directing what 
our hearts and our minds. He was, he was coordinating this opportunity. And from, from really that day on, our, our steps together were towards Australia. That's how he led us to come here, by making us restless. So if you're restless, probably your first question should be what? What is God trying to tell me? Your first question shouldn't be, let me go to the chemist because I just can't sleep. I need a pill. Because <laughs> that's usually our first thought, isn't it? Sometimes you're restless because God is trying to tell you something. God is trying to reveal something to you. And so our first question should be, I wonder if God's trying to direct me here. I wonder if he's trying to help me. Secondly is a spoken word. Sometimes God gets our attention by using the words of others. And let me tell you this. If several people in a short span of time begin telling you the same exact thing, you probably ought to start perking up your ears and listening, especially if they're godly people. You know, if they're godly people and they're all kind of telling you the same story and giving you the same kind of godly advice, you probably should begin to listen. Because sometimes the Lord, he's trying to speak to you through them. Sometimes our problem is that we have many people telling us the same thing, but we choose not to listen. We say, oh, all these people are telling me the same thing, but that's not what I want to do. I want to go over and do this. So what I'm trying to get you to do is when some of these things happen, to take a step back just for a moment and ask yourself, well, wonder what God might be trying to tell me here. Maybe he's trying to, to guide me, direct me through the lives of some other godly people in my life. Now, you've got you to gotta discern for yourself if these people are godly and they're telling you good things. Don't just listen to anyone. What I'm telling you is to sometimes you need to pause and step back and ask yourself the question, is God using me or is God using these people to guide and direct me? Thirdly, what about an unusual blessing? God sometimes blesses us in an unusual way to get our attention. Sometimes he blesses us in an unusual way to get our attention. I don't know why this happened at our school in the last couple of years, but we've had two mothers in our school lose their daughters. Um, one to a kidney transplant and one to a sudden death. And both of those mothers got pregnant almost immediately afterwards. The first one had twins. The second one had another little girl when she'd lost a little girl. I think sometimes God blesses us with unusual blessings to tell us something, to give us a message, to show us his kindness, his generosity, and his love. Sometimes when you get unusual blessings, rather than just saying, yay, I got a blessing, sometimes take a step back and say, is God, is God speaking to me? Is he trying to teach me something through this unusual blessing, something that wouldn't normally happen? Maybe you get you come into a random financial windfall that you didn't think you were going to receive. Um, perhaps you're able to see family members or connect with somebody that you've not seen for a long time. I, that, that's what happens to me a lot. A lot of times I'll get uh, a random message from somebody I hadn't 
uh, talked to or seen for a long time. And I don't blow those people off anymore. Because a lot of times I would just go, oh, yeah, hi, how you doing? I uh, haven't seen you since high school. Yay, hope your life is great. Um, I don't blow those people off because I see that as an unusual, what, blessing. I haven't seen or talked to those people for over 30 years, and yet they, they this random message comes for me. Maybe God is trying to tell me something. Maybe God is trying to help me, to help them, to bless them, to speak into their lives. And now, almost every time that happens, there's always been a reason. There's always been an opportunity for me to speak and to love and to be gracious and merciful in their lives. And that's been a, a real blessing for that. What about an unanswered prayer? Sometimes God will use a prayer with the answer of no to teach us something. Um, he may remain silent on a matter as a way to prompt us to examine our lives. There may, there may be behaviors or attitudes that, that need to be adjusted. Sometimes we don't, pray, we don't pray with the right attitude in our mind. Sometimes we don't pray with the, the right heart, the purity of heart that we need. And so sometimes God answers no. Usually, usually when God answers no, we just keep moving forward. We don't ever take the time to step back and go, I wonder why he said no. Why is God not answering this particular prayer? Maybe I need to examine myself. Am I right with God? Do I need to adjust my attitude or my behavior? Or do I need to adjust my prayers? The way I pray? How often I pray? We don't ever ask ourselves those questions, and so we need to, to know that God works. He reveals his will in these ways. Disappointment. He, he uses disappointment sometimes. We, maybe our life doesn't go the way we thought it was going to go, or maybe we thought we were going to get this rental, and we didn't get this rental, and we were so maybe disappointed about that that we, oh, man, I, that was the one I wanted, you know. Um, but then God sometimes uses that. To slow us down, maybe, maybe to not uh, be so caught up in physical things. Sometimes he uses those things, that disappointment, to teach us. Maybe he has something better for you. When you're, maybe you were looking looking too low on the ladder. Maybe he wanted something better for you, and so even though you're disappointed that you didn't get this, he he turns everything around. But he doesn't do that unless you're what. Unless you're looking, listening, you've got to ask yourself the question. What about extraordinary circumstances? Um, you remember Moses when he went up to the mountain to get the law? What did Moses see up on the mountain? He saw what? A light? A flame? He saw a flame and there was a, a bush and it was burning but it was not being consumed by the, by the burning. You call that an extraordinary circumstance? I would say so. <laughs> That's an extraordinary thing that happened to Moses. And had he not, it says in the Bible, if you read Exodus um, chapter 3, that whole section and the surrounding chapters, at one point it says that Moses thought he'd wander over there to see what was happening. <laughs> that is a real key 
because what? He saw it as an extraordinary circumstance. So he stopped, he paused to wander over there and to see what was happening. So he asked himself the question, hmm, I wonder what this extraordinary circumstance means. And as he got there, he encountered who? God himself. Sometimes we don't look and see those extraordinary circumstances. And we we miss opportunities to interact with God himself. It's very, very key. What about defeat? Joshua chapter 7. If you look at Joshua chapter 7, Joshua was there and there was this loss. Joshua and the battle... Uh, the guys that were following Joshua, they had they had experienced great victory and great success. And then they get to chapter 7, and they had this huge defeat. Do you remember why they had the defeat? What's that? They were unfaithful. God had told them specifically, when you go in, not to take any of the possessions that are there. And in, in the battle prior to this one, what happened? They didn't listen to God, and they took some of the things, and so they were defeated the very next time. Joshua heard about this, and he righted the wrong. He got everybody back into a right relationship with God, and then they were unstoppable again. So do you see the lesson here? Sometimes when you get defeated, you need to take a step back and go, maybe I'm defeated here because I'm not in right relationship with God. You know, when most people get defeated, you know where they run? Away from God. And he's trying to tell you when you're defeated, you need to run back to God. Oftentimes when people in their lives feel defeated, the last place they want to go is church. The last place they want to be around is God's people. And the last person they want to talk to is God himself. When that is the very thing that they need to do, they need to be involved in a, a good church, a, around good, godly people that can encourage them and help them. Oftentimes we don't want to come to church and be around God's people. Why? Because we're afraid they will judge us, make us feel worse than we already do. Well, if they're doing that, then don't go to that church because that's not a godly church. Because a godly church is a place, uh, I had a friend of mine who used to say, church is, church is a junkyard. It's a salvage yard. It's where all the bad people come to be resurrected and saved. And that's it. We're all junk. We're all bad people. We all need to be saved. And when people come in here and they're hurting and they're, they're sorrowful and they're lonely and isolated and, and they've gone through hard things, we wrap our arms around them and say, I've been there too. Come on in here. That's what we want to be as God's church. And so when defeat comes don't run away from god be drawn into him financial trouble same thing the nation of israel fell into worshiping idols and disobeying in the time of the judges and every man was doing what was right in his own eyes and it was only when god took away all their material possessions that they were able to come back into relationship with god so if you're having financial troubles it could be because you're making bad financial decisions or it could be that God is actually trying to draw you back to him. Okay, that's a big deal. Tragedy, sickness, affliction. You know, 
Uh, is God behind all the sickness and tragedy in the world? I don't think so, but I certainly think he uses it to draw people back to himself. I think those are things, if we're going through tragedy, sickness, and affliction, if you're not at least asking yourself, what is God's purpose in allowing me to go through this? If you're not asking yourself that question, then we are missing an opportunity to use those things to get closer to God. King Hezekiah became prideful. God used sickness to alert him to the problem. Second Chronicles 32, 24. And when Saul of Tarsus was persecuting Christians and he was on the road to Damascus, what, what happened to him? He got blinded. So if Paul hadn't stopped and said, why am I blinded? He would have never been able to be connected with God and have that revelation poured out into his life. So when we're going through tragedy, sickness, and affliction, at least one of the questions we should ask ourselves is, why is this happening? Is it because of my poor health choices, or is God trying to actually bring me back into relationship with him? It's very, very important. We should regard our own afflictions and trials in life and make sure that we ask ourselves and God, are you trying to teach me something here, God? What are you trying to say? The Father always knows exactly where you are in your journey of faith and he knows exactly how he needs to get your attention. And it's different for each and every one of us. We need to have our eyes wide open. Are there any of these things happening in your life? Maybe maybe now. Maybe some of these things are happening in your life now. Maybe in the past you've seen these things happen in your life. So if they are, what will it take to drive you back into his arms and connection with him? He wants that connection. He will move heaven and earth to make sure that that connection is maintained and that connection can happen. And so I want you to learn from each other a little bit this morning. And certainly if you're listening on uh, our website, we want you to go through some of these items, okay? And maybe personally look at each one and say, is God trying to communicate? Is he trying to teach me something? So we're going to separate. You can go to either of those two tables in the back and just have a little bit of time. Maybe there's uh, one of these things that popped out. Oh, yeah, I've had that happen. And here's my experience. So uh, take some time. We'll go to the back tables and, uh, and we'll do that. And then uh, we'll let you know when we can finish. And then we'll have some fellowship time together.